episode. It's a specifically for podcasting. No, this is this like is why blues. is why did Warcraft? This is blues sponsored. Um, ubiquitous mic, like it's their multi-purpose. It's a high quality. You can use it for video conferencing um, because it's 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 higher on the price end of microphones that a, a general consumer would buy. Mm. Not many people are going to pitch out. 200 more more than 200 i think for just like video conferencing or right they have a snowball that's cheaper yeah i've seen a snowball i actually didn't want to buy the snowball because of its shape like i just thought it kind of looked weird you know and i actually today i heard a a youtube video where he was comparing this exact microphone to a snowball the sound difference off the charts this one is much much better better. really because that one has i think maybe two condensers and this one has four. What does a condenser do? It's what collects sound. It's what. Okay. It gives you a better quality sound. Dude, um, that is one thing I was thinking about that is, has always been impressive about you. You collect <laughs> information super fast about something you get into. It's, and it's a vice, you just though. kind of, it kind of reminds me of certain people who, they become experts in fields because they kind of zero in on it. You did, you've done that with guns. You've done that with language. Do not. You've that's, done that with bikes. <laughs> I feel Running. like, I feel like the, I'm more of a jack of all trades, which is by definition, a master of none. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's true. I, I, I really have interest in a lot of things. Yeah. Which means I get, I get kind of sucked into something a while and I'll, I'll research it I'll learn about it and I don't get bored with it per se um, but I'll find something I like about it you know in that area I'll kind of find what it is that interests me say with motorcycles right I was drawn to them for a while and then I found out which ones I liked and what style I liked and um, that was kind of like okay did it begin kind of more with an aesthetic interest? The look of it? That's how it began with me. I kind of liked the um, old British bikes. Before we get too far here, are we? is this like it? Are we yeah, yeah, this, yeah, let's go. Going? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> There's no like intro to this. It's just, uh-uh. it's just going in raw, huh? It's going in raw. <laughs> Sorry, Molly, you had to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I, I don't know if it was entirely about aesthetics for me for motorcycles because I mean, I know it played a role. I know it definitely played a part. Um, I knew what I liked and I didn't like visually speaking. And so it definitely maybe steered me. Um, but I, I did like, you know, the functionality. I mean, because they're expensive and because it's, because again, jack of all trades. I don't. I don't like to spend all my time doing like one or two things, putting all my money or resources into just one or two things, which I think maybe the average person does. You know, you think about the Andersons, Dave Anderson. It's all about cycling, mm-hmm. right? Just man, half a dozen bikes and, and everything's in that. Yeah, that's it's, it's kind of all that way. Um, whereas, yeah, I like cycling. I like biking, but I also like, like you mentioned firearms and motorcycles and you know i've got 
everything short of a full CrossFit gym in my house. <laughs> right, right. And even when it comes to things like D&D, <laughs> you can zero in on the information presence kind of like that as well. No, no. Uh, with that in particular, he's far better at that. Of, of more it's kind of scary how he has that ability. Everything. Yeah. Right? He, You could ask a question and he'll tell you the answer. Whereas... It's like Rain Man. <laughs> he is a bit like Rain Man. But he's very sociable, which Rain Man yeah, is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the social skills, it's true. Yeah. Um, but so what got you into guns then? I, I, from the beginning, I, I just thought they were fun. Um, but not in a, a reckless manner, right? I, because guns like motorcycles, I mean, you can spend the rest of your life learning things about them. And they're always changing. I mean, everything is. There's very few things that are stagnant that someone learns about and they things never change about them. Mm. Maybe some people refuse to like move with the changes. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, are very hard nosed about like, no, this is the best. This era, this, you know, you talk about well, Cody Thompson and certain Yeah, he's perfect truck engines, right? A certain year, a certain decade. Not, a certain brand. Well, not even a decade, right? Certain like this year, two years later to this year. Yeah. And in this model, like this trim, you know, it's just... I hear people say that particularly about the Tacoma, the Toyota Tacoma truck, the 95 to 98. So again... Everything after that, garbage. You know, I can tell you, before. I've had a Tacoma, I've got a 4Runner, and I love them. Excuse me. And I like the... Uh, like the off-roading, overlanding, like that's that sounds kind of fun, and I I do we do a little bit of adventuring ourselves, but it's I'm I'm not so sucked into one singular hobby that I could spout out a certain year and its horsepower and its torque and right you know all these things who where where people who are in that area who who really like delve into like that's my hobby. You just talk about sports fans. Oh, this football team from loyalty year to, to year, a team man. till they die. This person's stats. I'm like, how the how the hell do you just like mm -hmm. memorize this stuff? To me, I'm like, what what useless information specifically on sports stats? <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing. It's amazing how some guys, um, in oh, particular, okay. Oh, you have your your new yeah. cat. I want to see, kitty. Dude, and he doesn't shed. He doesn't. He's long like fur too. Barely. It's crazy. Hey, you're cute. We named him Simba. Can you guess why? Looks like a lion. He looks like Simba. <laughs> We're creative. In this oh, house. he's really nice. Oh, he's crazy nice. He's awesome. Rubbing the the mic with the, with his tail. So soft. So with motorcycles and bikes, though. It was around the same time that you got into those, wasn't it? Like pedal bikes? No, uh, motorcycles. Well, motorcycles wait, wait, and guns. Same time of oh, guns. So I've been around guns pretty much my whole life. It wasn't until. Oh, you have? Has your dad had? Did your dad grow up with guns? No, or? we didn't actually. We didn't grow up with guns. Um, I, yeah, so I, I didn't think I you didn't, did. Yeah, I didn't own any until I was married, and I think we even had Ari. So the first gun I personally owned was. I was in my mid to late twenties. Was some of the idea protection because you did have a, a child and a wife? Um, maybe like a small percentage. Honestly, 
it wasn't my overarching reason when I got it. I, I did put it in my bedroom, but I mean, where did we grow up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking recently, like if I had, um, if I was married or if I had children, I'd be much more likely, I think, to buy again. And, you know, I brought up where we live, not to say nothing happens in Rexburg because we both know shit sure. happens in Rexburg. Yeah. And if it hasn't, it will eventually. No one is immune to violent acts or anything, right? People, as we and probably many of the listeners of your podcast know, because they're from Rexburg, Rexburg is not this haven where nothing bad happens. Um, so yeah, I mean, when I got it, I got my concealed permit carry, you know, to carry. Um, Do you get that as soon as you get your permit? Does that come automatically with it in Idaho? Your concealed permit? Or do you have to do something special for that? Because I thought Idaho has um, really lax laws in regards to guns. Yeah, so mine expired. Um, I think it actually expired this year. <laughs> like earlier this year, I didn't renew it. Um, but when I got mine, you could open carry legally. So outside your pants, just in a holster, you could walk into Walmart mm -hmm. and no one could stop you. Um, and so when I got mine to conceal carry you needed a permit, uh, and you, you had to take a course for it. And there are two courses you could take the enhanced or just the normal. I took the enhanced cause it added a couple States. Oh, so you could go across borders? Yeah, yeah. And so you could have concealed? And that, that state dependent. Um, you know, Utah, Wyoming, Texas, Iowa, wherever. They choose whose state's uh, permits they recognize. So if I had it in my glove compartment, and I think that's technically um, concealed if it's in your glove compartment. Mm-hmm. Um, and drive across state lines. And if I went through, I was going to Arizona, maybe Arizona recognizes it, but I'm driving through Utah and they don't recognize Idaho's. If I can't remember anymore, I'd, I'd be in trouble for that. But if I took the enhanced class, well, Utah might then recognize the enhanced permit. So it was a no brainer. Just get the enhanced permit adds a few extra states. Um, but that was, that was before Idaho changed their law to be constitutional carry or constitution carry, whatever the correct termage term. And it was only a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Or a few years ago? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. And as a very pro second amendment person, I don't agree. You don't agree? Not, no, I, I don't. It's, Why not? it's, it's weird. I know it's, it's, it's cause it's one of those gray areas where do I believe that people should be able to protect themselves against other people or to the extreme, the, a, a tyrannical government? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sure. Um, but do I also agree and concede to the fact that there are plenty of people who are not in the right mental state to carry a weapon around? Sure. Absolutely. Or who aren't competent even enough in my concealed class. It was an enhanced concealed class. I, I mean, there were probably a dozen and a half people in there with me and I was watching them handle their firearms. And I was like, this, is this like your first time holding a gun? Like, 
Cass trying to take down our soundproofing. <laughs> no, I, I, but, I've, but at the same time, I, I would was, get that. I, was, I, I would. I, was, I understand that because some of the average gun owners, I do wonder. You know, have you ever handled a gun? But before? I was crediting these people at the same time. Right. You came here to learn. Good on you. Right. You came here to educate yourself to get better because maybe you're not competent, but you look like you're putting forth the effort to become competent. Yeah. So I, I you know, it was, it was a mix between like, oh man, I can't believe you're going to be carrying a gun now. But hey, you're at the same time you're learning. Yeah. You're you're actively. That's a good point. Going about the right way to do it. So. Yeah. So, what are some of the reasons that people give? for having a concealed gun what are some of the purposes of that for an average citizen um well legally speaking if you know in your state it changes state to state <laughs> you're probably picking up the cat yeah it's okay like climbing the china cabinet what's your cat's name simba that's right simba um you, you would like to think that Idaho is a castle doctrine state, and we're not. Castle I don't doctrine know what that means. Is castle if doctrine. someone comes in your home, you have the right to defend your home. Oh, like it's your castle? purely on the fact that it's your home. Okay. If someone breaks into my house here in Idaho, some people who don't know would, would think they're justified in opening fire. They're not. Legally speaking, you're screwed. You can only use your concealed carry or your firearm against another person in defense of another person's life. If you think the person oh. being assaulted is in danger of their life, or you as maybe someone being assaulted fear you're in danger of your life, then you have the right to exercise um, self-defense. Or And is that outside of your house, outside, outside of your castle, where uh, that takes place? Or can you, if somebody comes in your house, are you able to shoot them with your gun. No, so that's, that's castle doctrine, is if someone just comes into your house and if they pose no physical harm to you or anyone else inside the house, you cannot shoot them. Okay. Legally speaking, you cannot shoot them. That's that's what castle doctrine. Some states allow it. You're in my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Open fire, right? It's just like, so. So that reason, can be kind of tricky, right? I mean, in a legal standpoint. Yeah, the reason. Are they dangerous or not? Maybe. And, and, and even if they don't have a weapon is, is it, it changes scenario to scenario. If you're home alone in a house and someone busts in and they even have a weapon, uh, let's say it's a knife or it's a bludgeoning weapon, like a crowbar or whatever, but they were across a room from you and you have a firearm and you're afraid of your life because they look like they could kill you. Mm -hmm. So you on kind of the one hand could be justified in opening fire but it depends on how jury would see it. You as a man would look like you were less justified because to some people it might appear like you weren't in as much danger as say if a woman or your wife was the one who confronted the assailant mm -hmm. who might stand less of a chance without the firearm, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's very situational. It's, it's, it's and I could be speaking out of my ass right now because this was a few years ago, what I remember, or what was correct at the time. And again, I, I've been a pretty poor job of keeping up with this stuff, hence why I didn't renew. 
right? I don't, I haven't concealed carry in years. Um, I didn't know that kind of goes away with time. You have to renew that, mm -hmm. but you don't with gun ownership, do you? Once you own a gun, you don't have to then go through another testing or another. Well, there's no, in form. Idaho, there's no. Because I don't think you need training in order to get a gun in Idaho. No, I can just go no testing. Like there's no on site at a range. Show me, you know, how to load it, unload it, take it apart, put it back together so it's functional and safe. There's no that type of testing. The testing you run is a background check. Are you a criminal? And I was told, because um, I asked some guys at Walmart, how long would it take to do a background check? They said 15 minutes. It's quick. And again, it's been a long time since I've uh, bought a firearm and I've never had any red flags. So I don't know what the procedure is on if the red flag pops up. I don't know if it's, oh, we got to wait 10 days now in Idaho. I, I, I don't know. I would think the only ones that would be, I mean, possible red flags would be felonies, right? You have felonies. Would they have any, they probably don't in Idaho, any like mental health history. That's one. That, that might be I'm, a good I'm, one that, to add. No, and that I, I 100% agree there. And I'm not sure if that's even one that's even common in any state is uh, a mental, because that's so hard, right? That is so hard to regulate or to enforce or to flag mm -hmm. because we in the United States lack mental health assistance mm -hmm. or help, right? I think you can probably make a case that most people in a criminal justice system, they don't need incarceration. They need mental help, right? They need therapy. They need a different form of, of reform, not just imprisonment. Um, it seems like it'd be difficult, like bureaucratically as well. Like if say I went to, a psychologist and I the psychologist knew that I was unstable or possibly violent to myself or others then how would they report that to the government you know that it kind of have to be a separate paperwork that they'd have to do but maybe that wouldn't be that hard well and I'm sure you could find a way to work it in the system to, to keep privacy and you know like those types of confidentialities in place but the other issue there too is as with any type of human judgment you get biases you get people who might you know you go see one therapist or one psychologist and they they'll give you one diagnosis and you'll go to another one and it's like no no he's fine right and not to say that one is right and one is wrong but man you open a can of worms that's true and then if they if one psychologist does say that does that mean you're exempt from ever having a gun for the rest of your life can you get better can you have improved mental health and then you can get a gun that's tricky. It's hard. It really is. And I, I don't claim to have the answers at all, right? This is not my area of expertise. I, I, I know like the, the skin level or the top of it. Um, and what I think what's even harder, and, and there are plenty of people who will school me on this, the red flag laws that have come up in a lot of states about civilians reporting what they see you do and, and then your behavior. Suddenly now you have just like, your neighbors or people who don't even know you can report you and oh there's a red flag you can no longer is have that, or you can buy it that's scary. I, I'm not an expert on that that's just kind of what I've perceived about red flag laws red flag laws um, that's kind of a scary one 
it is, it is kind of a scary thought. Because um, say if you have a just a neighbor who doesn't like you for whatever reason, maybe your dog goes over there and goes on their lawn, yeah. and they're annoyed with you, and so they can report you. And and this is maybe a decent segue into another topic that we seem to talk about quite frequently is is accusation, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much damage done in the world by people who falsely accuse someone of doing something and, and how much damage that does to not only that person, but to other people who have suffered an actual crime. Right. Right. The ability for some person just to accuse you and, oh, okay. It's crazy. You know what? False accusations do kind of scare me because um, I'm hesitant. I have some hesitancies of going into speech pathology. That's something that I'm studying. I have some hesitancies in going into it. That's why I'm kind of doing a parallel track career move in technical writing in like business and medical writing um, just in case I do feel uncomfortable in speech pathology because of as a man there's about four percent of speech therapists are men and I do have that kind of fear of will there be misunderstandings false allegations of a man working with children will I have to walk on eggshells it does kind of make me nervous my first thought on that is you're far too good of a person to spend your time writing papers. Technical writing? Especially technical writing. You need to be... Like, so you've done people. some technical writing, right? No, not really. No. Don't no. you do it a little bit? You said you do a little no, bit. No, I do your... more reviewing of, of technical documents that come through. And they're not even... Te- they're like technical forms that have to be filled out. Pretty boring? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's why I'm, I've been actively looking for another job for... A month now, at least. And that seems kind of strange that you have landed into that position with your interests and specialties in finance. Well, not finance, just analytics, right? Numbers, figures, data. Um, and but the position is called project analyst. Oh, it's not really that. I mean, a t- the tiny small, bit. The <laughs> bit. That's how they and, got you. And that's how they hooked you, Dale. I, yeah, something needed people, and they they told me when they hired me and a few other people around the same time whose backgrounds are in numbers, accounting or finance or economics, that oh we hired too many engineers. We need people who think like you, you know, who think a little differently. Well, one of those people have already left. Another one, myself, is on his way out. Because it just it's not, it doesn't work the type of work they're giving us and and I don't know if we're just not sticking around long enough to make a difference mm-hmm. or it's just the nature of the work is the way it is and it's just the way it's going to be so like deal with it but we're not going to deal with it <laughs> it's just so mentally unstimulating that we just can't take it and have do you two talk about that about possibly leaving you guys kind of interact with each other which two. Uh, the other guy who's leaving. He, he already him. left. Oh, he already left. Yep. <laughs> and it was him, actually. Him leaving um, opened my eyes to the fact that, yeah, I don't what, I don't have to stay here. No, definitely not. It was I, You're I, young? It was weird because I, I have, have been talent? needing something for years, right? I needed a stable job. I had yet to find one that was as, as profitable and as 
you know, rewarding financially and on the benefit side as this. So I wasn't going to turn it down and it was called a project analyst. So, okay, we'll do some analytics. This will be great. Oh no, you're just going to look at documents. So is it, you're sitting down the entire time? Oh uh, yeah, but that's not uncommon even for an analyst, right? You're I guess that's expected, right? Computer. Yeah. But the type of information you're seeing in your current position is just kind of mind numbing. Oh, really it's terrible. Dull. I, I don't know if you've ever read a government document. I don't think I have. I mean, or unless I had to one. for. They're a hundred pages long and it's section 5.1.3.2.5. A. You know, and they're each a paragraph long. Dude, and that, that, is technical writing. that is technical writing. And it's, it's the worst. There's it really some poor technical writer that had to write that. <laughs> but that's me. That's my brain. It just doesn't work like that. Some people thrive on that. Some people are really good at it. And I give them all the credit. Like, man, good on you. Yeah, but some people look brutal. at what runs my brain and just think like, are you kidding? You want to look at data? You so look tell me data? then like the ideal dream job. <clears throat> um, that's hard to say because it feels like a lot of people going into the professional world have a picture of what they think their dream job is, their dream role. And you probably agree that more often than not, they get a job that does that and they think, they realize that actually this doesn't fulfill me. I don't like this. This isn't what I thought it was. Um, but the more I've been talking to people who are, um, you know, professionals and have been professionals for years in their in their careers, like Preston, like my friend, uh, old classmate Josh, who I most recently been talking to, um, and I, I hear about the work they do, and I, I hear the programs they use that I've recently been looking into, and suddenly I'm excited again. Suddenly I'm, I'm thinking, man, that would be such a fun tool to use. And what I think right now, my, my direction I'm heading is what they call business intelligence, BI for short. Everything in corporate world is... Uh, acronyms? Acronyms everywhere. <laughs> FP&A, BI, you know. Uh, business intelligence? That sounds yeah. pretty cool. So Josh, is a, he's, his title, I believe, if I remember right, is a data scientist. So you... you you collect in tables and databases just information about a business, HR, finance, operations, logistics, whatever. It's all recorded and put into tables. And you get to effectively run reports on those tables and you get to see where um, a company does well on or where they're lacking in and you kind of start to be able to problem solve. I like to solve puzzles and problems. Molly, um, she kind of likes to make fun of me. And I, I don't know if making fun is the right word because you just kind of tease. You, we're not trying to make fun of tease people with autism right around the spectrum, but she kind of, cause I get sucked into puzzles right. and problem solving like my mother, but there's kind of like a, no, I totally understand that though. I totally understand that where if you're really, it seems like your brain is wired in a certain way to certain things and you just zero in on that thing in an autistic kind of similar way. How is like phenomenal a, that kind of stuff? Yeah, right? absolutely. Like they, they excel at, at being able to just like 
be like so good at something. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of studies that show that like um, there's higher levels of higher numbers of autistic individuals in certain areas like um, engineering or in computer science. It's it, kind of those jobs require a person to zero in on tiny details and patterns. And do you see that a little bit in you? I know I'm very detail oriented when it comes to numbers and figures and things. Um, like at my job at Cal Ranch, when I was there for only six months, like I was providing cleaner data and information that the buyers and the VP had not seen from the previous person who was there for like two years. So within six months, I was providing stuff to them that they hadn't been given for years. Um, and so I, like, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm at least decent at that stuff. I, <laughs> I know I can do it. Um, I've yet to be in a position to, to really prove it, I guess, but I'm hoping to soon. I'm hoping to switch career paths and go somewhere where I can. That really skill seems skills. highly marketable. So I, <laughs> I was, this last month, month and a half for me, I've, I've kind of had this fire underneath me to to improve and to, I don't know, just, I was in a slump for a long time, for almost the past year, after realizing what my current position was and where I would be in the next couple of years wasn't going to be anywhere, really. And I, I was really kind of down. I was depressed and thinking, man, I, this, I'm miserable at what I do or miserable doing what I do. And I like my team. My boss is great. Everyone there is really nice. And I would enjoy working with them for time to come. But just the type of work was really unfulfilling. And I, I was trying to battle being a good provider, a stable job, good benefits, so that I could feed my family, keep a roof over their heads, yada, 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 at the cost of my own happiness. And I, I struggled with that because that's how I was raised, to be a provider. Not to be miserable in providing, but just like, you know, my dad was a great example of that, of, of being a provider. And I had gone so long without from graduation college to leaving Brookside, you know, really low income, kind of barely scraping by. I'm getting insurance from my family where I finally landed something that was like better than anything else Nido Falls could provide. And so it's like, I had this thing and I've been wanting this for so long, but I'm miserable. <laughs> like, how do I battle that guilt of, of feeling like, I can't do this. How do I, how do I move out of it? How do I move forward? But when I realized I didn't have to stay there, but I didn't also have to give up pay and benefits, like especially with COVID and the remote jobs that have been opening up, it opened my eyes. It's like, oh man, of course, I'm not limited here. And I've been reaching out to a number of people, and one of them was a uh, Molly's cousin's uh, girlfriend is a recruiter at like the nation's third largest recruiting agency. 
And I, I, I've been setting up a bunch of video conferences with people who I find to be, who I, who I really want to learn something from. Um, and so I set one up with her and we were kind of talking. I gave her my backstory and she asked what I was interested in doing. And I kind of touched on FP&A, which is financial planning and analysis, which a lot of people with my degree go into. It's financial economics. So you kind of study that stuff. Um, but then I talked to her about this BI job that I've been um, looking into and that one caught her attention because she's like, "That's those are jobs where you can make a lot of money. Like FP&A, you kind of get into a role, you might be an analyst, maybe a senior analyst, and she's kind of laying out the, the vertical progression there. Um, but she's like, man, if you're in a BA, like those are jobs that could pay out really well. And it was actually exciting to me because the world of BA, to me as I see it right now, deals with SQL Server and Tableau. If, I'm not going to go into that. It's just analytical software, but... To me, it's like exciting stuff. I nerd out over. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great thing to nerd out over when it's something that you can, you know, get I a hope. job for. I hope. I'm. I'm... So Molly's going to laugh at me. I mean, she already kind of laughed at me, but she'll laugh at me because I'm going to mention this in the podcast. Is, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was in December where I, I kind of got this rejuvenation of like motivation and understanding that. I'm turning 32 soon, and in our culture, our upbringing, we see a lot of people who in their early to mid-20s already have a family and are already on a successful career track. Mm -hmm. And where I'm 32, um, and I feel like I've made zero progression on my professional, Mm -hmm. progression on my professional career, you know, some of my classmates are director this, senior that, and I'm not. It, it, it was hard for me for a long time. It was very hard. It was a lot of pressure. And when I I realized, like, you know, like, um, Bezos, right? Jeff Bezos was, like, in his 30s when he started Amazon. You know, plenty of people explode, right? And, and I'm not saying on an Amazon level, but it's not like... Well, the tons of people explode people. in their thirties and forties. Yeah. yeah, right. It doesn't. It's not like it only happens in their twenties. Like, so it's really eye-opening to me, and I'm like, okay, like I, I I'm still young. I need to. Be. I would say honestly, I mean, I would say most do in their thirties and forties, not their twenties. Yeah, could be. I, I really haven't looked into it, but I, because I, I mean, just... neither have I. But <laughs> maybe I'm just telling myself that. Um, but anyway, it was back in December, and I was like, you know what? Like, I've got to change something, and I, 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 I. I have to go back to finding the motivation, structuring my days, planning my days, like in a literal planner. I have yet to get one because I haven't found one I think fits my style. But I was like, this is it. Like, this is my year. I'm going to switch careers. I'm going to be in a better industry that I'm passionate about, that I'm going to grow in, that I'm going to provide value in, that I'm going to like excel in. And I'm like holding on to this idea that no, it just it's gonna be work. Like I have to I have to work to be motivated, I have to work to stick to my to-dos, right, on my daily list. And this is what Molly's gonna laugh to me about is I'm not a horoscope person. <laughs> what does that mean? Horoscope? Um astrology. Oh yeah, right, right. right. Me, yeah, me either. Me either. Every time I read them, I'm kinda like, they're so encompassing, mm-hmm. you know. Anyone who read it, it could apply to like anybody. Like, yeah, it's like 
Um, I have a friend and she's totally into astrology and she's like, what's your horse, what's your horoscope or whatever it's called, your month, whatever that is. Your sign. Your sign, your sign. And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, when's your birthday? October 1st. She's like, okay, that's Libra. And she could probably tell And you she'll tell me what a Libra is. Under in the face right, right, right. <laughs> and it's kind of like every single one can kind of fit anybody. It's like, so you sometimes feel frustrated. It's like, yeah, that is me. It's like, yeah, that's everybody. But at times, you also feel at ease. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and you're like, these are, these are so like... And then it also tells you who who you should and shouldn't date and be with. It's like, these are really good with cancers. And this is why... It's like, come on. Come on. But at the same time, like you, I read something about it and I'm kind of like, well, I mean, maybe there is something to it. So... She read me one that was, I, I cannot tell you who it's from. It's on my phone, it, but it's some very big, prominent, popular, you know, not just like your 50 nickel horoscope. <laughs> some very well-respected. That's right, 50 nickels do have horoscopes. <laughs> some very well-respected horoscope. And it was like, it wasn't just for the day. You know, you get a lot of them they are like, today, for an Aquarius, you are you know, here's your horoscope. It was like, it was like for the year. It was like, okay, for this year. And she read it and it, it was, it was funny to me because it lined up so much with how I was already feeling that I couldn't help be like, wow, like that. <laughs> right. Like that is weird. Uh, I'm not going to read it cause it, it's paragraphs long, but it was talking about how like, this is going to pivotal year. These changes are going to happen. Like look for X, Y, and Z. And it, it was just really bizarre because I, I'm not like into that at all but mm. because I was already feeling a certain way. And then someone told me like, Oh, Hey, like, look, <laughs> this happened to line up with it. It, it definitely made me go like, Hmm. Did that, do you think that increased the fire under your belly? As dumb as it is. Yeah, I think it did. <laughs> I think that's fair. I don't because think it's dumb. I'm not saying that astrology is bogus because man, the universe is weird. Science is weird. What we believe in currently scientifically to what we'll believe in a hundred years from now is going to change. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not debunking one thing or the other, but it's horoscopes always feel a little bit hokey. Sure. Um, until it feels like kind of like a fortune cookie. Yeah. And, but I mean, it's human nature, right? Ah, well that's bull crap until it's in your favor. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're like, okay, no, this is true. Like I'm going <laughs> to, Yeah. this is it. This is my time. And I've also kind of humbled myself with some things like when it comes to um, aliens and stuff like that. Usually I'm the one who kind of just like says, there aren't aliens. There aren't, show me a single life form, like a blade of grass anywhere. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's seen anything. But I've started to think like that's kind of arrogant for a number of reasons, especially coming from me. Like I, I had to take geometry in summer school so if if geometry is difficult for me <laughs> then who am i to say like oh this is how the universe is or is it and so i mean maybe there is something to astrology no, to for, for um, me, signs to being born under a certain time there might be something to it yeah and to completely blow something off to blow an idea off because currently it is not scientifically supported is like the most ignorant thing in the world, right? We, you, it's so obvious from history that how many people 
would blow people off. Like, you know, the earth is flat. Well, no, I have some scientific evidence <laughs> that says otherwise. I ah, know you're, you're yeah, uh, off with his head. Yeah. Um, and so things we believe now, even 10 years from now, are going to be different. I'm not saying like gravity or some, you know, but things will change. And that's the thing about science is people who back so much of their opinions and their beliefs in like the current science and, and say that things will never change on certain aspects. Like you got to be at least open to the idea that mm -hmm. things change. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, but so that's giving you more confidence in your future job outlook. Well, I, I think I'll put it this way is I'm, I'm letting it. Okay. Right. I think right now I need all the fuel I can get. I like, I need all the motivation. That's a great way of putting it. Whatever can add more to the fire. Yeah. Like I'm trying to let things build me up and like, use it and because I, I just i've been down for so long I, I i'm needing every little thing i can like use myself to pull myself up because it's what it comes down to your actions right you have to work for it and i don't think in the past i was working hard enough well then if you could get that ideal situation what would it what would it look like going to work or maybe your work is at home and you do it remotely, but what would your kind of your responsibilities be? What would that look like? You know, um, that's a phenomenal question, and I'll, and I'll kind of I'll kind of talk about it here. Is when I got the job at the site, I was so stoked because the pay is great, benefits are awesome, security is like through the roof. And like you told me, government jobs that's give I mean, you great benefits. Particularly out there because they're they're approved. The budgets are approved like two years in advance. Oh, nice. Government shutdowns don't affect us. Dang. Right. We don't lose our jobs. We're not furloughed. We're still working. So the security out there is is unbeatable. Um, so and, and again, I'm coming from from so far down, like pretty much unemployed, to like one of the best jobs you can get around town. Um, and so, yeah, I was stoked and I was like, oh, you know what? An hour commute, no big deal. Sit on a bus, I'll sleep, I'll listen to podcasts, I'll, I'll you know, not a big deal. I've been getting up at four in the morning for six years really? to, to coach at CrossFit in the morning or something. Like I haven't, wow. I haven't been able to, that's like Navy SEAL like, hours, you know, and, and I'm, I'm just so used to it. I honestly don't want to lose it. Yeah. That's a good idea. Um, and so I thought that this job would be great because I could get every other Friday off. And ever since we came remote, part-time remote, I, I'm taking every Friday off because I get I work 10-hour days. My boss is nice, lets me flex my hours like that. Um, but even with every Friday off, I'm, I'm suddenly realizing that those two extra hours a day I spend commuting, I absolutely hate because I want to be with my family. I want to spend time with my family. My kids are small. They grow like freaking weeds. You know, we look at Google, so, you know, kindly reminds us through notifications two years ago, and they send us a photo of... Oh, really? ...that we took of our kids two years ago. They'll, like, look back at two years, you know, things like Like on that. the same day that you took this yeah, two like years two ago? Yeah, two years ago today, and they, like, show us a photo, and it'll be like, of our kids just... And we're like, man, they were so small. Wow. How did they get so big? So, yeah, screw you, Google. <laughs> <laughs> like rubbing it in that they're growing yeah. up so it's, it's it's something i realized that i need a better work-life balance i need to be around for my kids more especially during these years where they're small and they're growing so fast 
So my ideal moving forward is this, this job that I might interview for is 100% remote. They're based in Arizona. So I work here and I thought I would just work from home, but I've worked from home either part-time, well, pretty much part-time uh, for a couple jobs. And for my current house, it's not ideal, especially with kids who demand your attention or you feel obligated to, and, and not, not in a guilty way, but just like if you're sitting at your desk trying to do work and you hear your kids, you know, making life hard for your spouse, it's hard just to sit there. Like you want to get up, you want to go help, you want to be at home because you're home. Um, because I, I spent time as a stay-at-home parent, like, man, that shit is not easy. <laughs> it's not like this cush job. Right. You know, it is a job. It is damn hard. Um, and so when you're also there at home, you you want to make that easier. Um, so I'll kind of talk about my ideal situation and the possibility of something that might happen for me here within a month is there's some downtown offices open for rent, 200 square foot offices, private office. You can just rent. I'll probably rent one of those so that I can focus and be productive especially where I'll be learning new skills and need to, to learn quickly. But I'm still in town. Uh, if I need to drop the kids off to school, if I need to pick up, pick up the kids from school, if I need to be available from time to time, like I can, instead of being an hour out in the desert where I can't. So my ideal situation is a job that pays well, it's got good benefits that I feel mentally engaged in and motivated to go back to. Uh, you know, work that I'm excited about, where I can still be available for my family. Like that, 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 that's ideal. I think it's impressive though that you have that foresight of maybe down the road regretting not being with your children when they're little. Because I've I've heard a number of men, older men, share some of that regret of not having any, even any memories or many memories of their children when they're small because they're always working. So I was born in Des Moines. Iowa. I didn't know that. Yeah, you did. Come on. No, I didn't. I thought you were always born. You were born in Rexburg. Well, I thought you were my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, I was born in Des Moines and lived there till I was seven. And my dad commuted to Connecticut. Um, the government job for the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Connecticut. It was DC. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Connecticut. He, he, he worked in Connecticut and doing what? I don't know. But no one knows. We are, no one knows. We're not in the witness protection. <laughs> we're not from the motherland. That's debatable. <laughs> yeah, was, especially with his name. You guys are probably Eastern European. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I don't have a lot of. I mean, I have memories of my dad when I was a kid, right? Obviously, he was around, but he, he'd commute for a couple of weeks at a time. So, yeah, he was gone a lot. Um, but after 9-11, he lost his job, and so he was around more. But at that time, I was, it was 2001, so I was 12 at the time. So, I mean... But was him, him losing his job um, a reaction, like, because of 9-11? Yeah, I mean, just the economy was rough, right? The World Trade Center 
it carried a lot of weight in the in the business world. Right. To, so yeah, a lot oh, of so his him losing his job was an impact from nine eleven. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean, it happened across the country. Just the economy went down. People lost their jobs. Security went down. But yeah, it's just one of those things where I think about if my kid has a soccer game or. Uh, a recital or something, whatever hobbies they have, and it's it's three in the afternoon. I want to be there. I want to be supportive. I want to be a part of their life in that way. And I think that with the way, especially with COVID and the the, the effort companies have put into um, keeping afloat by implementing remote capabilities, that shouldn't go away. I agree. You know, companies should understand the value of that. The fact that you can still be productive, you know, like out of the site, they've commended us on, even though you're, you're only out of here half the time, you know, we rotate who's out there on what days. So even though we're only like half staffed on site, we've remained at like full productivity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, of course, you know, you're allowing people like to be happier, <laughs> yeah. to feel more motivated to get their work done when they're at work and to be helpful around home and all that stuff. So I'm, yeah, I'd like to be around. I'd like to, I don't know. Be around your kids when they're little. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and well, that's hugely important for their development as well. And there's a lot about being a dad that um, can be really hard. Um, for me in particular, and this is, you know, this is a whole nother, probably a whole nother episode, a whole nother podcast you could go into about this. Um, but I, I'm being the youngest of six kids and away from all of our extended family. I, I never grew up around kids younger than me. Like, you know, compare myself to Preston. He's like phenomenal with kids. He's got such an imagination and, and interaction. And I've been like 90 years old since I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> you have always been older than your age. I've always asked Mason, right? What Mason always say to me, Eric's house, every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited you. you Did know? he say that? Yeah. <laughs> That's not very nice. But we were kids, and he wasn't like trying. But you to have kind of always I, been I was, like a 60-year-old yeah. in like a 10-year-old's body. And again, I, I we should make this like a full but You know, they the, say that about, uh, I was listening to a podcast with, like, I love Carl Pilkington and Ricky Gervais and those guys. And Ricky said the exact same thing about Carl Pilkington. He's just like, just an old soul. But I'm not as much of a curmudgeon as he is. That no. guy can't like find joy in anything. No, no, no. Yeah, you're not a curmudgeon. You're not a curmudgeon. But you've had, I think, more a more mature outlook on life. I, I I distinctly remember when I was 17 years old, thinking to myself, my life is a fifth over. <laughs> No, you are more like Carl Pilkington than you realize then because it sucks. I because it. Ricky said that to Carl Pilkington in response to him. Ricky, uh, Carl saying when he turned 13 years old, his mom said, you have, will you go out and get a cake? And he said that when he went out to get the cake, he just said, I don't like how the future's looking. <laughs> and he was 13, you know, still like a child. <laughs> I don't and know at why. 16 for you to think that. 17. Give me a year. Okay, 17. <laughs> I don't know why. I really don't know why at that age I thought that. Um, and it's 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 like not easy for me to, to kind of always think that way. Like I, I wish I could get on my kids' level more. I really do. I can't tell you 
it's it's damn near every day that I'm driving out to the site in the morning, listening to a podcast, and we can talk about which podcast I listen to later, but they, they tend to touch on like children and upbringing and, and lives. And I think to myself all the time, like, God damn it. Like I, I need to be a better father. And I'm not like a terrible father. I'm really not, you know, but I could always be better. And I'm always thinking to myself, like they're just kids. Well, I think the fact that you even say that, that I could be a better dad, um, says a lot about you as a father. Well, there's so many fathers out there that don't say that, that don't question it, that don't look into themselves. And I, I, I kid you not, it really is almost every day that I'm, I'm, I'm leaving or I'm out of the site and I'm thinking I'm going to come home and I'm going to just like go nuts, right? I'm just going to have fun and just like play with the kids and just the few hours, and I mean literally the couple hours I have with them the days I'm gone, I'm up before they're awake and I'm out before they're awake. So the couple hours I have with them on the days that I'm working out there, I'm like, I need to be like, just taken by the range. It's like, just play, just have fun. Like they're just kids. But I come home and, you know, maybe it's been a stressful day and I just got stuff to get done around the house. And it, it's, it's so easily and so quickly it gets pushed to the wayside of spending that quality time or like, focusing in on on developing those patterns those behaviors with your children so it's, it's another one of the things on my to-do list on my my planner right on, on my objectives of like wake up read you know maybe review or study chinese again you know like on the on the little time i have of personal hours when i wake up or outside of work like it's got to find its way on there to be like play with your kids get on their level, you know, you know, but parenting, man, I was a baby face person. I love babies walking mm-hmm. target and they see like the baby mannequins with the fat little bellies. And mm-hmm. just, I just think about just holding my little infants and just loving it. Um, and that the toddler and the child stage is great too, because they can communicate. You can talk to them, have conversations, but they also get attitudes sure right <laughs> and personalities they're and learning to say and no opinions and and that's not wrong at all but you as a parent and i'm going to speak about myself in particular you have to learn how to cope with it right. and again not having ever in my youth spent time around that i'm, I'm really realizing it's it's been a struggle for me and well and to give you there. to give you some credit um I think a huge part and something that I'm realizing just talking to you about this, um, a huge comfort to children is reliability and stability. Just knowing that your father is there. Like what reminded me, um, talking to you reminded me of a huge comfort to me as a young boy was knowing that my dad was a, was going to be awake. He woke up early. Like he was going to be awake at four in the morning, four thirty. I think he, he got up and it was a comfort to me knowing that if I woke up and I was scared or something happened that my dad was, he was going to be up. Like that was just a comfort to me knowing that he was always going to be there and he was going to be sharp and ready. And, um, I just realized that talking to you. So your kids may not be able to articulate that or recognize that now, but 
I'm sure that that's a comfort to them knowing that you're there in the house, that you get up early in the morning, that you're there prepared. Yeah, and it's something that that is almost always on my mind, and it, it I think it, it's what weighs on me too when I when I don't behave how I should with my kids. Maybe I, I'm too stern or I snap too quickly. Um, is like I feel it every time that I feel like I'm I'm wearing away at their desire. To, to come to me, to talk to me, to find comfort in me. And it sucks. It's really hard. It really is. Um, my, my parents, I mean, I love my parents. I really do. Um, but we grew up in a household with like five boys and a sister, right? But she was gone most of my life. She's 10 years older than me. She moved out when I was like eight. So I didn't have much relationship with her, but, and you know, the, you know, Arlo <laughs> and the Weeks boys, we're, we're not communicative. We don't, we don't express feelings very much. It's something I've learned from Molly is to be able to let emotions out, let like talk about things and feel things. Um, and I, I mean, I, I didn't have like bad relationships with my parents at all. But our families entirely, right? We're just we're just distant. I mean, to this day, I mean, I hadn't seen my oldest brother for seven years at one point, and when I did, it was like, hey, so it was fine. That's just like how it was, and it's it's been another wow, almost six years since I've seen him. But hey, whatever, you know, no big deal. But I really want that for my kids. I really want, like, I I would hope that. Man, if they had a bad day or if whatever, that they could just like come to me. I like wouldn't really want that. Um, Has it kind of helped you being a father? Um, I've heard, and I'm not a father, so I don't have, I don't know, but just from hearing things, I've heard that having some difficult things in your childhood can help you actually do the opposite. So experiencing maybe that silence or um and those who experience abuse that can increase the likelihood of repeating it or going the extreme opposite yeah um i think i'd 100 percent agree with that in discussing with molly her her personal life her family history and what she's learned from it uh, and what she's carried with her and me as well you know i i i had to this day never seen my parents even argue never really and i was always like that's phenomenal i like i hope that for my for my family for my spouse that you know we can no just, like snide remarks nothing to this day nothing wow and i i actually still really kind of like admire that because that that's not easy but what molly has shown me is that that actually takes at least for some time on one spouse or another, a lot of just submission, mm -hmm. a lot of maybe deprecation, self-deprecation, you know, it, it, you have to kind of like swallow what makes you happy purely for the sake of just appeasing or making that person happy. 
And it seems like both of them were that way. Did both of them kind of submit to each other in a way? My parents? Yeah. No. Usually you was, see maybe was, one parent that's a little bit my more. My dad did everything for my mom. Like just to make sure my mom was happy. And I never felt like or witnessed it as such of her being abusive. She was never mean to my dad. She never like tore him down at all. What, was she more dominant? No. Really, it's from my perspective, and this isn't like, I guess I feel like I'm not blind to it because I'm old enough now to understand social cues and interactions. What I remember is just he was genuinely, he, he genuinely tried to just do everything in his power to make sure she was happy and comfortable. And I admired that. I admire that too. And I carried that into our relationship. And, and what Molly and I have discussed is to the point of, of like my own happiness, my own you know, satisfaction, you know, maybe even if she was in the wrong and it, it's taken years. I mean, we've been married for eight years and it's only well, been these last few years where we, I've been able to like tell her that's how I feel. And, and we like work through our emotions that way. So it's, it's been this balance of seeing how my parents interacted with each other and seeing how her parents relationship was to kind of, and I'm not saying it in any degree that we have like the ideal balance of relationship it takes work um, but that's i mean i admire that um about your dad as long as it's like how what you touched on as long as he's able to express his feelings but it sounds like he didn't well again it's i, I never felt like he was suppressing his feelings or he never got his way and he just like kept it inside and never brought it up i didn't really really genuinely feel feel that from him okay that um, he wasn't maybe like um, maybe genuinely harboring him. he wasn't harboring resentment yeah I, I never got that and i still don't not to say that he does I, I genuinely don't know did you see your mom express her feelings to him like not this is how this makes any. me feel neither of them really. and and i'm not saying that didn't happen behind closed doors right sure if they're in their room or they're on a drive or something. Which sure is perfectly it's possible. Just, it's yeah. just relationships, just marriage. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just, I kind of came into marriage with that idea of, like, I'm here to provide and I'm here to make sure my wife is taken care of. She's happy. Um, but that's selfish. Right? this is something Molly brought up with me and I had never thought about it before, but she was like, you're not giving me the chance or the opportunity to make you happy. You're depriving me mm. of something that I want to do. I want to make sure you're happy. I want to make sure you get things in life that you want. Oh, I like that. And if you never bring it up, I don't know. And it, it opened my eyes. I was like, man, that's true. But it, it's, it's still hard to like, is that hard for you to kind of like, um, feel like you're putting something on someone else like putting those emotions or feelings on your wife saying like I need help or I'm struggling I think it's hard just because of a couple things right the way you know we're raised as as men to think that you know macho and just like carry it work through it you're all right um, as well as like, I, I just, you don't want to burden the other person, but 
the same time you're yeah, constantly telling them. Yeah, that's kind them, of a fear just, of mine too. About, I don't want to burden. You, let me help you. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. But you never give that opportunity back to them, right? I, I was depriving her. I was never giving her the opportunity to help me. And you think about how hard that would be. If I'm always telling her, let me help you, let me help you. And she's like, no, 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 no. Right, because you want, you want to be the one who's helping them. Exactly. But you're not thinking about, they may want to have that same feeling they of helping you. They want to help you. And, and that's like, that's something that feeds them, is their ability to help you through a hard time. Or get you something that you want emotionally, right? Or, or, or materially, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like never clicked with me, like... That like when something's off between Molly and I, like I can't function. Like all I want to do is fix it, is talk about it. Just like let's resolve it. Like I don't, I don't feel like sleeping. I'm like going anywhere. I'm like, cause mm-hmm. <laughs> and you think about if that was them, right? If it was reversed, it's like I, well, I, I know how they would be feeling. Like I should be telling them. I should be like working through them with this. Right. So anyone who's thinking like. No, I just I'll need to work through it. Like that person genuinely wants to help you. Like, don't deprive them of, of something that fulfills them. Right? Being able to help you. How much fulfillment I got get out about making my wife feel better or like at least even being a sounding board, you know? Is it true that it seems this way to me um, on the outside that marriage and fatherhood really stretch you in more ways than you could even imagine and reveal more about yourself? Yes. And I don't even know to what extent that goes to, you know what I mean? It has to be just infinite. I haven't even thought of or conceived of that. You'll find out later, perhaps tomorrow and next year, next 10 years, you know, it's, but that's also just how life, but yeah, being, because what I thought about being a parent when I first had kids, I was like, this is awesome. I love being a parent. My squishy little babies, right? <laughs> I, I love to hold them. And I didn't mind getting up three times a night to change them or to feed them, whatever. It was like, oh, this is great. Just like the joy you feel with that. But, you know, as they get older and just their interactions with them become harder, you didn't expect that. Suddenly it's like it opens up a door of, you know, <laughs> what pushes that? What what makes it different or harder or better? You know, yeah, things are constantly evolving, so it's infinite. I think. Is it? What have you noticed? Um, have you noticed any differences in being a father to a daughter and a father to a son? I have a soft spot for children. Um, I really desire to have children down the road. I have an especially soft spot, I think for like having a daughter. I think I would agree. Um, but I think it is falsely and inappropriately rooted in the culture of like, Oh, you know, my baby girl and Oh, just buck up son. You know, like that, you know, come on, work through it. You know, Mm -hmm. like that, I don't know if it's if it's I, I you know what I didn't grow up with that did you well again my sister the oldest of all us boys out of the house early so it was just us boys. oh just boys and did you guys all did they have that expectation your your parents of like or your father in particular of kind of 
be a man, buck no, up. No, no, he never like he he never he's never told like oh be a man. Okay. Like that 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 that. As much as you know, pain me to label something toxic, manless masculinity, right? Sure. That was never like pushed on us. We were never like encouraged to be aggressive men. We were actually encouraged to be courteous, respectful, to treat you know our future spouses with the utmost respect and. Like make them comfortable, make them happy, right? We were we were raised that way, kind of to be raised like a gentleman. A gentleman, but at the same time, there was you know it's like, and maybe this is a product of being the last of six kids, five of which were boys. I just wipe the dirt off, you know, just like I just get up, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something about being the youngest that can be like you know we're. We've done this so much, just like, just get up, you're okay. It was your choice to be offended. And I actually agree with that. Whereas if you were the first child, the parents would have been like highly involved. Yeah, right which there. unfortunately like was my sister and 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 that can have its own problems, like, right? Yeah, tons of problems with that. But what I see myself and with my son and my daughter is is you, you unfortunately I, I have to admit to that. It's yeah, there's there's a sense of like uh, you know, oh, she's my baby girl. And they're like, oh, you're my son. Like, you're my, you're my tough little guy. Like, do you think mothers have that towards their, that kind of bias towards sons? Like an extra so- soft spot I, I think that's for so, boys? I think that's so subjective. Sure. You know, and, and what I witnessed in Mal is, is she's great with both the kids. She mm. really is. And like, I, I, I notice my own faults and I try to correct them and I feel it can kind of come off situationally as, you know, Oh, you know, if he had done that, you would have acted this way. And, and for me, it's like, I know what I'm trying to be better. Right. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying, I'm learning how kids are. Right. I was never around kids. So I, I'm kind of learning myself. Like they're just kids. Right. And so when he was this age and he was acting like this, I reacted like that. But when she's the same age, I'm reacting differently. So I feel like it can almost okay. come off as, oh, well, you are treating her different. It's like, yeah, well, it's because I'm also just trying to be a better parent. You've learned. In this situation, I'm trying not to react. So mm-hmm. one way. Um, well, that's interesting. that you. Um, so one way you could look at it is that you're maybe a little bit more patient with your daughter than your son. But then you can also look at it as that, well, your son is older. You've learned. That's what I, that's more of what I think is it's like my son has been through this phase phase. I know what to expect. Kids are different. You know, it's not like they're all the same at the same age, but it's like, I have a general idea of the behavior or why they're doing what they're doing. And I can adjust for that. Whereas as any first child of any married couple, they're Guinea pigs. Yeah, right. right. I can imagine. Through every life stage as they grow up, they're the first ones giving it to you, right? You can say, oh, but I was, you know, I had siblings. I knew how my kids behaved or my siblings behaved. When you're a parent, it's it's a totally different game, right? How they interact with you as a parent-child relationship when they're a toddler, when they're a child, when they're a teenager. Because personalities are completely unique in that way your first child i'm sorry to say is just 
you're learning with them as they go through their stages and you'll make mistakes, but you'll also do things really well. And so when you have a second one or a third one or a fourth one come through, you kind of refine and then you get some assistance maybe from the older, you know, like it's weird. There's so many facets to being a parent and how many kids you have and when you have them. And, um, is it scary um, first getting your child and then you 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 leave the hospital and it's just kind of like okay like they the nurse waves you goodbye and then you have this bundle of responsibility um and then how do you go about i mean just kind of figuring out do you kind of just go and figure out when they need to eat when they don't need to eat when the routine that must be overwhelming so as far as it being scary because like with gun with guns or with <laughs> with uh, with cars going full, going full circle, you have to have some kind of training. You have to have some kind of like a, a license, right, to drive. With a baby, it's not that way. So, uh, I guess I'll, to tackle the first question of it being scary is that it's again subjective to people's situations. Whereas we're very typical, like we weren't worried financially if we could feed our children. Right, so those types of scary aspects weren't there. We knew they'd have food, we knew they'd have clothes and warmth. You know, we could provide for them, so that wasn't scary. The part that's scary about a child is, you know, you hear about SIDS or you hear about other things that you could lose that child by no fault of your own. That could be scary. Um, but as far as, um, knowing what to do with them. The good thing about babies is they grow with your knowledge, with your experience. When they're newborns, they sleep and they eat. So it's not like when you take home a baby, you have a teenager or even a toddler who whose needs are 10 levels above that of an infant. When it's an infant, it's basic. If they're crying, you know, it's because they maybe they're uncomfortable, maybe through hunger or they need a diaper change or something, right? It's There's only a few things that could genuinely be wrong and you can kind of suss it out pretty quick. And then they, you can satiate them and, unless they're colicky or they have some other ailments that, you know, just generally speaking, they're pretty easy if you do okay with a little sleep. And then as they get older, more complex and more complicated, it's step by step. So you learn with it, you grow with it. And so it's it's not as bad as I think some people think in terms of, because, I, again, I'd never changed a diaper until yeah. I had a kid. Is there some nature that kind of comes in of kind of knowing? Yeah. To this day, I won't change anyone else's diaper. I won't change some other person's kid's diaper. No thanks. Right. It's not my kid. I'm not going to do that. But when it's your kid, you kind of you take these responsibilities, and it just seems like, I don't know, that you know what to do in a sense of how not to take care of them. Know, not that you know what to do, but for me, again... I always touch on the fact that I never took care of small kids before my own. I was a hundred, a thousand percent willing to do it. Mm. I was like, this is my kid. You know, I'm going to get up at 11, two, four to feed him, change him. You know, don't care. Oh, they poop up the back. Well, whatever. I'll wipe it off. Got on my finger. Huh? Whatever. You know, didn't bother me. None of that stuff. But if it's someone else's kid, 
That's so interesting. <laughs> it is weird. and But there are plenty of people who are fine doing that for other people's children. It's just me personally. I'm... No, that makes sense, though, that when it's your own kid, all of that is totally different. Yeah. Um, I know we've probably been talking for a while here. If there was one thing you wanted to ask, completely random, something you've always wanted to know, or... If know, you, I'm not, that, um, I'm not that interesting. Totally like, random. I to be kind of like totally random. The, the one thing that comes to my mind is totally random. Let's say you found yourself at the Capitol during the. <laughs> you got to make this political. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't have to talk about certain uh, political people, but what would you have done in that situation? If you were at the Capitol building, you just found yourself there You're with the protesters. Say I was. I was part of the protesting, or if yeah, I was you just, were. If I was spectating, you were. I was say you were. Say you were with a friend who was just hardcore Trump, and you were just going that he's like, "Hey, I need somebody to come here and well, support me," and the you're only, there. The only, the only person things can, start going crazy. The, the only person I can even fathom who that would have been is Cody, <laughs> and he's not even a real Trump fan. Like he's no. he just likes to stir the pot, and so to put me in that scenario is is really hard because I. I don't have like a hardcore Trump fan friend. I know, me either. So, but knowing myself, I would have been, if, if I was say standing next to the Capitol building when this all happened, Yeah, I would have been like, geez, well, that's crazy. Think, <laughs> you know? You don't think you would have gotten carried away, maybe oh, got involved in any no way? Way. Would you have tried to stop things? No. Yeah. <laughs> what what, what could you do? <laughs> so... I think if I was there, I can't see myself being carried away like that either. I mean, I don't you think there's any way. way though. We're not. I know people who like feed off that energy and are like, like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's get in there. That anger, that rage. Or just the, just the idea of just like the chaos of participating. Let's just do it. Cause like it's happening. Like we're going to like, again, I've been 90 forever. Right. When our friends were in high school and wanted to go hamburger college kids making yeah. out in cars i was like that sounds dumb <laughs> so i can't even go through what, well, what if you were in cars i'm not gonna break new cars. what if you were a security guy there's that I, one there's um i so i watched actually an interesting interview of a police officer and she was she's our age actually she's 32 it was really cool and interesting to hear her talk and there's actually because some people were talking about how it wasn't how the you know the police didn't put up a fight, but that's not actually necessarily true. One, they weren't prepared. The second is that on the I think it was the west side of the building, um, this police officer she was talking about how it was an it was hours long battle that the police were being maced with like bear mace, bear spray, and being hit with metal poles and. Um, so it sounds like there were like multiple fronts of where this was occurring and it just seems like nobody was prepared for it. Nobody expected it. I think, I mean, there's probably some chatter online, right? They, they, obviously there were some security, so they had an idea and there'd be potential for things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think. I guess the only thing, because I don't ever really read into this stuff. I'm, I'm admittedly ignorant on a lot of these things that happen just because I have lost a lot of faith in just general reporting. 
mm-hmm. and it's, everything feels biased. Everything feels like it's got a narrative to push that, oh, the protesters this, or oh, the police that, or whatever, you know, whatever side you want to come from, it all feels biased to me. But to me, it feels like for how many years the police have been berated for being excessively violent. Mm-hmm. And maybe this was a time where like, okay, like we have to exercise restraint. Otherwise we're going to get raked over the coals for being excessively violent. And they showed restraint during a and, lot of the, and, and then they get raked over the coals. left riot. Yeah. They get left. They get raked over the coals this time for not exercising enough force. Right. Like what do you, and you it's know, like, so. what's enough force? You know, a woman was killed for one. This is a, well, here, well, okay. Here's another scenario then. That's a little bit different. You and I are both quite, um, I think, skeptical of the supernatural in a lot of ways and just skeptical of things where try to reason things out. But let's say, right, let's say you were in Moody Woods. That place is creepy. It's way creepy. But let's say to bring it to the supernatural because this actually creeped me out for the first time. Last night was the first time I was actually creeped out from anything alien or supernatural. But let's say you were in Moody Woods and this beam of light just comes out of nowhere and it has a force to it. It knocks you down. You wake up, you find yourself on like a table and there are four alien-like creatures surrounding you. How would you, Dallin Weeks, react to that? If you found yourself in that situation... I think there's two answers to that. One is the answer that you um, fantasize or glorify, right? That you you would you would kind of script in your head, mm-hmm. you know, because from a third person view, you're not actually on the table. You kind of, for me, it's like you look at it like a TV show. You know, like oh man, like what would I do? I'd get up and do you know, whatever. There's also the deer in the headlights, like most people would probably freeze, right? Most people would probably have no idea. Like they probably wouldn't even say anything, probably just sit there and like be frozen. Right. So you're saying some people there, if they had their scripted, either they'd fight or they'd be totally calm, you know, like just by script, but in reality, if it were to happen, because I guess there's a little more, are, are you just on the table and they're just looking at you? Yeah, they're just surrounding you. Yeah. Or are they actively trying to do something to you? Not because, touching you, just surrounding because you. Because if they're just watching you as opposed to actively, you know, probe, right? Right. Some people say, well, I'd fight that off, or I would mm-hmm. I wouldn't let them poke me or touch me, or you know, but would you really? You know? Or if they're just sitting there, say if you woke up and you're just in a chair and they're like sitting in front of you like a panel. Oh, that's it's creepy like a too. Scenario, but that's right? creepy too. So if they're just there, that that kind of changes it, right? If you if you're on the table, okay. Maybe. Say 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 it is like that. You're on a chair. You're sitting on a chair. You wake up. You're sitting in a chair, and it's four or five sitting as well, looking at you. I think in that scenario, you're much more likely to to act at all, right? If you're closed, if you're just kind of, you're, you're much more likely to look around and at least trying to engage them in some way. Like, who are you? What are you? Why am I here? As opposed to being naked on a table and they're like touching you and, you know. Got yeah, that's true. You. That's you're probably way more, more vulnerable. 
way more frightening just because human nature is when you're exposed like that you feel much more vulnerable and less likely to do anything i think but it's kind of i guess i asked for that question didn't i give something random yeah something <laughs> random i gave what you the capital you you it okay. wasn't good enough i gave Special you aliens okay um in which one the capital or in aliens both hit me let's do it i i wish i was a cop at the capital when that was going on i wish i could have experienced that with like my brothers and sisters as police officers, I feel like I yearn for something like that, like um, some kind of greater meaning or purpose. Like you're there at a moment of crisis and you have to fight or you have to defend. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't, if I was there as a protester, I could see myself being roped in honestly, because I can kind of be like a, doormat and i could kind of see like a friend being like oh, you oh like come a, on come on come a sheep. like a sheep <laughs> a sheep if you will and I, I could see like a friend that maybe at work who's just like come on just come with us or like we need a ride like will just you help us out it's okay. yeah just, just here's just one guy, dude. here's <laughs> one molotov <laughs> guys i really should come on please but uh honestly even if i got roped into it and i was there there's no way i'd be storming in there's no way what would I do? It seems like some of the people that were in there didn't really even know what they were doing either. Like some of the people were like, it was like they were walking in on a, in a tour. It was like, so where are the bathrooms? So what's this, what's oh, this portrait of? Yeah. Some of the protesters just seemed like they were walking in. There was a leader with a flag, you know, like, all right, tour guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. This way, this way. <laughs> oh, the guy with though, with the, what does make me frustrated though, is seeing the guy with the, rebel flag it's like that's see, that's different see, that's a different I didn't level see that because i didn't look into it i didn't oh you didn't so you're you're informing me oh on yeah there's side. a guy with the rebel flag um one of the guys who was who jumped in to like the main room whatever you call it the chamber the main chamber the chair yeah he's, someone sat one there. of the guys was from Peter's boise chair. he was not from, <laughs> far from here i did actually see some stuff where he like got arrested or turned himself in or something like that yeah it's crazy but in the term in the alien situation so uh, even if i got roped in i'm saying i i would have stayed back and just watched i wouldn't have gone in i wouldn't have done anything like that at all um but the alien thing i'd be terrified i'd probably cry like if i woke up especially if i was on a table or something i think i'd probably start crying oh dude i i would i'd probably lose it yeah um I mean, and I, I don't think I'd get hysterical. I think I would just freeze. Like, it's just that, that fight or flight, right? Like, I, we're just like... Yeah, I wouldn't fight. I don't think I would. I'd be too scared. I'd freeze. Pretty terrifying. Freeze and cry. <laughs> but, dude, um, all right. Well, thanks for doing this podcast. We made it... I went by super fast. It was like an hour and a half. Hour and a half, thank you. That's long. Yeah, but that was great. Thank you for doing that for me. We need another one where we talk to you more. Okay, I'm down. I love doing these podcasts more than anything, so let's do it. Next time. Until next time, bye. bye. Do you like ducks? Dags. What? Yeah, ducks. Ducks? Do you like ducks? Oh, dogs. Sure. I like dags. <laughs>